Hi, I'm David Goforth, pastor of Grace Baptist Church. So glad that you're taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to let you know we're here to help you. If you have any questions, please visit our website, gbcwc.org, and contact us. We'd love to help. Amen. Thank you for that. Take your Bibles, open them up to 2 Chronicles, please. 2 Chronicles 36. We are going to eventually go to Habakkuk, so if you want to find Habakkuk, Habakkuk wrote during the time he was alive and prophesied during the time that Chronicles was written. There are different times in our life when different passages of Scripture will speak to us that God will use. And this is, this book, this prophet has meant so much to me over the past 20, 25 years as I have studied this book and and looked into this book and I have studied it numerous times. I still remember the very first time I preached it, almost shaking, preaching it, because I, it was something that I knew that I needed to preach, but it was one of those things that I, I wish I would have had a little bit more faith and that I really believed what was being said. I, instead of, I was trying to preach to myself as much as preach to anybody else. I remember that, and I remember the impact that this has had in my life, and we're not going to rush through this because this is so very, very important. As pastor, many times I get to be with people on their darkest days. And there's a verse that many times will come up, but it's almost used like a talisman. Like something that's supposedly going to ward off the the trials and the struggles that they are facing. Many of you probably already know the verse I'm going to go to, Romans 8, 28. We know all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And I've heard people quote that verse in the midst of a struggle. And they said, well, I know that the Bible says this. But there's no peace and there's no comfort and there's no encouragement that seems to come from those words. There's other times I've been with folks and they are in the midst of a very, very difficult situation. And I've seen the the juxtaposition of somebody smiling with the joy of the Lord in their eyes in the midst of tragedy. And I've seen them also quote Romans 8, 28. We know all things work together for good. And though you can see the pain, and though you can see the difficulty, and though you can see the struggle, you can see the faith that is growing. Philippians 4, Paul says, the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Christians should be able to face struggles unlike anybody else in this world. We should be able to go through the deep waters. We should be able to go through the fires. We should be able to go through anything with a completely different perspective. And yet so often, it seems so very similar to other folks. And one of the things that we see here, one of the things that's neat about Habakkuk is most of the other, all of the other prophets are an interaction between God and a prophet and some people. This is primarily an interaction between God and a prophet. Jonah is the other minor prophet where most of the interaction is between God and the prophet, but that's in a negative sense. But this is different. If you have ever wondered how to put Romans 8, 28 into practice, if you've ever wondered, if you're right now in the middle of a, of a trial, in the middle of a struggle, if you're thinking, well, how can I get to the point that they which will, will wait upon the Lord will, will be renewed in their strength? How can I have that perfect peace? Habakkuk is a study in how to trust God. You see, there are Christians that the winds of trial will come and they get blown over. The winds of struggle will change them, and there are other Christians that will stand strong, and it's a completely different outcome. Habakkuk shows us how. Habakkuk is a real life example, and if you can just understand what happens in this book, it will will transform the way that you trust God. 
It will transform the actual activities in the midst of trials and in the midst of struggles. And honestly, it's an exciting thing to jump into. And I wish that we could spend the next four hours studying it. But we need to look at it pretty quickly. Habakkuk, I want you to understand the time frame in which he lived. Look at 2 Chronicles 35, verse 20. The Bible says, after all of this. This is talking about King Josiah. King Josiah was the most righteous king that the nation of Judah had. He found a book of the law. He read it. He sent his runners to the prophet to say, hey, what's going to happen with this? And he decided to follow God. And he actually went around and he got rid. He was the first king that went around and got rid of all of the little private temples that people had built in different places so they wouldn't have to travel all the way uh, to Jerusalem to go through all of that rigmarole. The Bible says that Josiah went and cleaned them out, even in the mattocks and the small towns and the small cities. And then he had a great Passover that he celebrated that none like it had been celebrated till the time of Josiah. He was a godly king. He was a wonderful king. And in the prime of his life, he is now 30 years of age after all this. So as Habakkuk has been living, he's been watching this king who for the first time they have a king who is 100% after God. Josiah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He purposed in his heart he was going to serve God. And I'm sure that Habakkuk was excited about all of the reforms. And Josiah was serious about spiritual reforms. He dug up the bones of the old priests and the old leaders that were prophets of Baal, and he burned their bones on their altars. He made it very, very clear, we're not messing around here, folks, we're serving God. And Habakkuk was there, and he was watching that. And now at this time where it says, and after all this, Josiah is probably 39 years of age. Now, to some of you in here, that seems very old, but to most of us, 39 does not seem very old. Josiah, at 39 years of age, after all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, Necho, king of Egypt, came to fight against Carchemish by Euphrates, and Josiah went out against him. But he sent ambassadors to him, saying, What have I to do with thee, thou king of Judah? I come not against thee this day, but against the house wherewith I have war, for God commanded me to make haste. Forbear thee from meddling with God, who is with me, that he destroy thee not. Boy, this had to be a surprise to Josiah. He's been serving God. God's been blessing him. He goes out to stand against Necho. And he, the king of Egypt says, Don't bother me. God wants me to go and do this battle. He doesn't want me to fight with you. For some reason, Josiah didn't listen. Listen to verse 22. Josiah would not turn his face from him, but disguised himself that he might fight with him and hearken not to the words of Necho from the mouth of God. And came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. And the archers shot at King Josiah. And the king said to his servants, have me away. I am sore wounded. His servants therefore took him out of that chariot and put him in the second chariot that he had. And they brought him to Jerusalem. And he died. And was buried in one of the sepulchers of his fathers. And all Judah... And Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Those of you that are old enough to remember 9-11, those of you that are perhaps old enough to remember when our last president who was assassinated was assassinated, you can remember when a nation mourned, when a nation was broken. All of Judah and Jerusalem was broken over Josiah. He was the godly king. He was the king that God was blessing. He was the king that was just doing so much. And then... He dies. And this is Habakkuk's life. Look at verse 25. The Bible says, Jeremiah lamented for Josiah, and all the singing men and the singing women spake of Josiah in their lamentations to this day, and made them an ordinance in Israel, and behold, they are written in the lamentations. Now the rest of the acts and his goodness, according to that which was written in the law of the Lord, his deeds first and last, behold, they're written in the book of the kings of Israel 
and Judah. Look at verse 1 of 2 Chronicles 36. Try to picture yourself. You're Habakkuk. You're a prophet of God. You're serving the Most High. You have a king that is doing right. You have a king that is restoring the temple. You have a king that for the first time in generations has found an actual copy of God's word and has followed it and has obeyed it and he has died on the battlefield and your heart is broken. And then, verse 1 of chapter 36, the people of the land took Jehoaz, son of Josiah, and made him king. And his father stead in Jerusalem. Jehoaz was 23 years old and began to reign. But he reigned for only three months. And the king of Egypt, Necho, put him down at Jerusalem and condemned the land in a hundred talents of silver and a talent of gold. And the king of Egypt made Eliakim, his brother, king over Judah and Jerusalem and turned his name to Jehoiakim. Now you don't know Eliakim, but maybe you're familiar with Jehoiakim. Do you remember the story when Jeremiah got Baruch and he wrote the first copy of the book of Jeremiah of all of the judgments and he came and he read it in the ears of the people and they were alarmed. Do you remember the story? <clears throat> they were alarmed. They said, we've got to take this to the king and they took it to the king. It's this king, Jehoiakim, that they took it to. He was sitting in the North Palace, it says. He's trying to stay warm. He's got a fire going next to him, probably in one of those braziers, just a small little fire pit right next to him. And they come and they read this scroll to him. This is the king that thought so little of God and thought so little of his word that when they were done reading, he cut it off and he threw it in the fire to burn. Habakkuk went from a king who loved God, who served God, to a king who hated God and his word. And Habakkuk was not just a member of society. Habakkuk was a prophet, and Habakkuk's heart was broken. Now turn over to Habakkuk chapter 1, if you would. And you need to understand what Habakkuk is going through. You may not have the same burden that Habakkuk has, but I would dare, as we turn over to Habakkuk chapter 1, I would dare say that many of you have been in a position like Habakkuk was, of his heart breaking, of his inability to understand why. Why? Have you ever asked that? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever looked at your life or looked at the situation that you were in and said, why? Have you ever disagreed with God the way he was running the universe? I'm not expecting you to raise your hand. And some of you are doing very good keeping your Baptist poker face on. Reverend, I know not of what you speak. I'm simply here a wonderful member of Grace Baptist Church waiting for the child ministry meeting. Boy, there have been times... I didn't doubt. I didn't doubt that God was in control. But I doubted he was good. And I doubted he was wise. And I doubted he was kind. He did. I looked at the situations in my life. I looked at the situations of other people's life. And I said, God, this does not make sense. If I had the ability to run the universe like you do, I could do such a better job. And this is where Habakkuk is. Look at verse 1 of Habakkuk 1. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. You have to hear the emotion in this. You have to hear the heart rending as he cries out to God and he says, Lord. He doesn't say Lord. You see, he says, oh, Lord. His heart is groaning within him. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry? And you won't hear. Even cry unto thee of violence and thou will not save 
Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance and spoiling and violence are before me? And there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slack. Judgment doth never go forth for the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. God, Jehoiakim is ruining things. He is trashing this nation. He is trashing your word. How long are you going to let people get away with doing wrong? This isn't right. Then God comes to him. Verse 5, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe, though it be told you. Let's take that out of King James English. Habakkuk, I'm going to do something. You're not going to believe me when I tell you. I am at work. I am in control. Here's the plan. But you're not going to like it. Verse 6, For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans. God says, I'm going to send the Babylonians. And Habakkuk knew what that meant. His heart was breaking because his king was not following God. People were turning away from righteousness and Habakkuk's heart was breaking. And now God is telling him, I am sending a foreign nation that is going to destroy your land. Folks, this was an invader. This was not somebody that's going to win an election and change policy in the government. This was somebody that's going to come in and pillage and burn and destroy and murder. Habakkuk's friend, family, and his nation. And Habakkuk's mind is blown. Look at verse 12. God comes to him and says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And God hears from Habakkuk, wait a minute, aren't thou from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment, Almighty God. Thou hast established them for correction. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? Habakkuk says, wait a minute. Jehoiakim's a punk. I get it. But the Babylon? You're going to let the Babylon army come in and mess with you? What? What? Are you kidding me? Can you see? Can you hear? Can you understand what is going on in Habakkuk's heart? Habakkuk has a relationship with God that very few people have. He is doing it correctly, but he is saying, God, you're messing up. Have you ever done that? Now, turn to chapter 3. I want you to see the end of the story, because we only have one point tonight. (laughs) I want you to see how the story ends up in chapter 3. This is the same guy, same Habakkuk. So I wonder why that name never caught on in Christianity. Has anyone here, has anyone here ever met a Habakkuk? Does anybody know Habakkuk? We've got one, really. How old is Habakkuk? 25, okay. Habakkuk. That's one. That's awesome. But look at, look at, look at how Habakkuk's tune has changed. Listen to him now. Verse 17, chapter 3. Although the fig tree will not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail. The field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He's made my feet like hinds feet, and he'll make me to walk upon my high places. And then that last phrase to the chief singer on my stringed instruments, (laughs) Habakkuk saying, This needs to be a song. Everybody needs to sing this. This same person that looked God in the face and said, what? 
is now going, it's all good. Man, it doesn't matter what happens. The, ecologically, we could be wiped out, have no, no way to support ourselves to give us food. We could be going through all of this struggle, no herds in the stalls, no fruit on the vine. It's going to be a good day. Can you imagine having the faith that absolutely is not dissuaded by what you see in front of you? It's not dissuaded by what the doctor just told you in his office. It's not dissuaded by what the boss just told you about your job. It's not dissuaded about what your spouse just told you about your marriage. What you see in front of you has no impact. All the herds are gone. All the flocks are gone. All the vines are empty. All the fields are burned down. And you're rejoicing and you're happy. And people look at that and say, it doesn't happen. It did. It happened for Habakkuk. And I want you to see the first thing. So go back to Habakkuk 2. This is the one point. How are we going to see this? How, what is the first step? What are you, if you're facing something right now, I know that there are folks who the boss has just given them some terrible news. There are some folks who a doctor has just given them some terrible news. There are some folks in here who a spouse has just hinted at bad news. I know some of the things, but what I know about a group this size is that I know just a small portion of what you are going through. And I want to encourage you to complain to God. Can I encourage you to take the mask off? To not say, Lord, I, I need your help with this faith. Look at God like Habakkuk said and say, Lord, I don't get it. This is what I understand your word to say. But do you see, Habakkuk did something very, very important. Do you know who he didn't complain to? He didn't complain on Twitter. He didn't blame the government. He, he, he didn't... He didn't fuss at the president, didn't fuss at the king. He went to the king of kings and said, I don't get it. Then look at chapter 2, verse 1. Look what he says. He says, I will stand upon my watch. Here's what I'm going to do, God. Where you've placed me, what my job to do, I'm going to continue doing what I'm supposed to do. But as I do this, I am not going to pull myself away. I'm not going to uh, lock myself in a room. I'm not going to run to the back of the auditorium and avoid people. God, I'm going to keep moving forward with what it is that you have given me to do. But with this one caveat, I am waiting for you to answer me. I am not going to go to my husband. I am not going to go to my brother. I'm not going to go to my sister. I'm not going to go to my wife. I'm not going to go to my doctor. I'm not going to go to my therapist. I am not going to go to some TV show. I'm not going to distract myself with a video game. I'm not going to distract myself with alcohol. I'm not going to distract myself with drugs. God, I am going to stand here until you come and meet with me. In Grace Baptist Church, if I can beg you anything, if you will learn to wait on the Lord, your heart may be breaking right now. You may honestly say, I don't know why I'm facing this. Don't run ahead of God. Keep going to work. Keep taking care of the kids. Keep doing the laundry. Keep mowing the grass. But you complain to God, and you don't move until God speaks to you. Have that first step of faith that says, I won't make any step. I'm going to watch, and I'm going to wait to see what God says to me and how I'm going to answer when I'm reproved. Habakkuk is exercising his faith as he says, God, you are it for me. It's not, God, I'm going to give you 20 days. God, I'm going to give you seven years. 
God, I'm going to give you 21 years. He puts no end to it. He pours out his heart in complaint to God, and then he says, God, I'm waiting for you. I am waiting for you. I beg you, don't run to somebody else. Don't run to another church. Don't run to another drug. Don't run to another activity. Don't run to all the different things that can distract you from what's going on and come back and say, God, what do you say? Now we're going to see how that actually happens in the next few weeks as we look at Habakkuk. We're going to look at Habakkuk, how he actually, because this is the neat thing, you're going to see how Habakkuk waits. You're going to see how Habakkuk responds to God when God comes to him. And you're going to see, here's the amazing thing, None of what God said would happen changes. It is Habakkuk that changes. That is what's so amazing about this. God doesn't say, I'm not sending Babylon. I'm taking away the cancer. I'm giving you back your spouse. I'm getting rid of the struggles. I'm going to make your life all roses and everything's going to be wonderful. He changes Habakkuk and Habakkuk says, boy, life can stink. I don't care. Because my faith has been changed. And it's an amazing, amazing transformation, which I hope that you will stick around as we study uh, in, the, in the book of Habakkuk. Let's bow our head and close our eyes as we close. We're not going to have a come forward invitation. And I'm not going to call anybody out by name with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, preacher, I need you to pray for me. To have wisdom to wait. Or preacher, I need you to pray for a family member, a spouse, a child, to have wisdom to wait. I just want to be remembered in prayer. If you'd slip your hand up, just really quickly, just hold it up. I can put your hands down. Folks, can I tell you, the church folks that you go with, I'm not a mathematician, but that looked at least like 50% of your loved ones in this church that just raised their hand. Remember the importance of prayer and of loving and of patience with them as they wait. Lord, I pray that you would help us to know how to wait on you. Lord, to have the confidence in you to be able to pour out our complaints before you. And then to wait to see how you direct our hearts. Lord, help us to rejoice in the truths that we know of you. Help us to understand, Lord, so many times, and I I almost feel guilty, God, about not being able to go into a long diatribe of how to wait. But Lord, I pray that you would, at Grace Baptist Church, work in our hearts, not so that you are the first option, but Lord, you are the, the only option. Lord, that we don't move that we don't quit, that we don't hang our head, that we simply continue on and we wait to see what you will say to me and what we will answer when you work in our hearts and work in our thinking. Lord, I pray for those folks as they navigate these difficult waters that you would help them to see you, help them as they go through the day-to-day work. Lord, help them to trust in your spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would make Grace Baptist Church a living testimony like Paul was, of most gladly, therefore, glorying in our infirmities and our reproaches and our necessities, that the power of Christ may rest upon us. Lord, may you work. We love you. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen.